0: You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Good morning and thanks for listening. Well, last week, we began talking about COVID-19 stressors compounded by the protest against the racial injustices that have continued to occur in the U.S. The proverbial straw that broke us all was the death of George Floyd. Now, I don't need to revisit that with any of you, because if you've lived in this world, you know about it and the building around the world in support of change. Today, though, I want to continue the discussion, but in another vein, what are we teaching our children about caring for all, about racism, and what is right and wrong? I want to also apologize for last week as we started talking about this topic. um, We had lots of callers who wanted to participate, and we were only able to get the first three in because something happened. And we had some terrible glitch and couldn't hear callers. So um, please, if that if that happened to be you, please call us and um, say what you had to say last week. Uh, we want to also, we want to hear about you. We want to talk about anything you want to talk about because this truly is a family issue show. But today, uh, I felt very strongly that we needed to talk about what are we teaching our children and why is this issue continuing so give us a call join in as we talk through this at 1877 mpb ring that's 672 7464 you can send an email to family at mpb online Org. We also have a treat in that we have Dr. Ruth Patterson, a pediatrician at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, who is also working with me on um, one of our big grants, early childhood development uh, grant that we call Mississippi Thrive, and uh, she is has been a wonderful pediatrician in the the area for what Ruth almost over 30 years 30 maybe
2: years. yes 30 years yes
1: <laughs> yeah well thanks for being with us um before we get started as as i was preparing for this show i thought it might be good for our listeners to hear something um uh it's just an excerpt from uh Dr. Ahmad Ayaz who was um in South Africa at the World Conference Against Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia, and Related Intolerance. Uh, this was back in September of 2001. And um, he's from a little sovereign island state in the Central Pacific called um, Tuvalu. Okay, so here it goes. Listen carefully because it... it it says something to us all. We need unity and solidarity at all levels for the achievement of peace and racism is the most lethal divisive device. As long as racism exists, we can never have the conditions required for the nurturing and flourishing of peace. In this respect, It would be pertinent to remind ourselves of the very first article of the UN declaration on race and racial prejudice with states. All human beings belong to a single species and are descended from a common stock. They are born with equal rights and dignity and rights and all form an integral part of humanity. The secretary general of the UN had perhaps this in mind, when, is, when in his opening address to the conference, he said, let us remember that no one is born a racist. Children learn racism as they grow up from the society around them. That brings to mind the young soldier in the Rod- Rogers and Hammerstein musical play, South Pacific, who has fallen in love. I think you all remember this who's fallen in love with a Polynesian girl. He makes the point in lamenting their forced separation for racial reasons. He tearfully tells her in a song that, quote, you've got to be carefully taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught pretty profound, isn't it? Um, and that happened many, many, many years ago. And I think many of us cried over, over that. And so I, I want us to keep those words in mind, those, those words from the song in mind, as we step through this show. Um, and I'm told that we have our first caller. I believe it's B from Brandon on the line. B, jump in here! Come on and and tell us what your thoughts are. Well, I, w- I would like
3: to say that I'm hopeful, um, but I'm really not. I, I uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a um, native Mississippian, raised in the Delta, reared in the Delta, lived lived in Mississippi for most of my life. Been hearing these same pretty words that you just read, uh, for all my life. Those words mean nothing, just like the Constitution. You know, I don't see where that's any different from what the Constitution held out about all everybody being cre- created equal. But words mean nothing if people are not uh, feeling that in their hearts. I, uh, I'm not hopeful, I, 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 and I'm not trying to be negative, but I have seen and heard these words all my nearly 60 years of life nothing, nothing has come of it, nothing good. And I still feel as though, uh, you know, you can talk about what we teach the children. The The, the children are not going to be taught anything that the adults don't believe. And you could tell from what the governor said even as recently as yesterday. You know, I'm not, you know, one way or the other on the flag. I could care less because it's just an emblem. But he uh, slither, slithered out of the whole question of the the symbolism of the flag just like the previous governor did and so there is no hope if people don't try to practice and really believe in their heart what what they say with their mouth and and that's all i got to say
1: i would like to believe different but i really don't because i haven't seen it so far yeah, B, uh you're you're around my age and, and I will say you and I both have heard these words and seen things happen and protests happen um most of our lives. Um, you know, starting in the in the sixties, um, when there was there were so many protests and so much work by Martin Luther King and others. And um and I, I hear what you're saying. Um I'd like to hear what other people think i am I call myself a Pollyanna sometimes I keep um hoping and I truly do believe that right now um could be our turning point if we can get people. To all join together. And Michelle, I think you have a comment. Michelle McAdoo, our uh, producer, is online. Go ahead, Michelle.
0: Good morning, doctors. Good morning, Dr. Patterson. Good morning, Dr. Buttress. To be's comment, I understand the frustration. And like you said, she's around your age and she's lived longer than me and she's seen more than me. But I can say this, and I stated this a couple of weeks ago. Things aren't the same. It's not the same. We, as African Americans, have the right to go places. We don't have to sit on the back of the bus. We don't have to eat at separate lunch counters. We don't have separate water fountains. Some people say the more things, things have changed. Yeah, the Thank more you're you right. For pointing that things out. have changed. Imagine if no one during the Civil Rights Movement decided it's not worth it. What if they said, Nothing's going to change. Let's not do anything about this. It is what it is. It's always going to be like this. We're not going to march. We're not going to try to change the laws. We're not going to sit down with the presidents and the lawmakers. We're not going to do anything because it's not going to change. If they did that, where would we be now? So I say to B, I understand your frustration, but let's not give up. Let's not give up on hope because change can and will come.
1: Thank you for that. That was, that was, um, more positive than I said. And, and I, and I do think that a lot of incredible work has been done over the last 50, 60 years in, in trying to make, make change and changes have happened. And is it enough? No, but, um, There has been a a move of the needle. So let's go to our first break. And when we come back, I want us to start talking. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about and whatever you want to call about. Um, And I'd love to hear your comment about B's statement. But let's also move to talking about maybe what we've not done correctly over the last sixty years, um, there's probably a lot, but some of it is the way we approach our children. So when we come back, we'll pull Dr. Patterson in and start talking about that. But call us about whatever you wish to talk at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. And Michelle will be checking those emails too, right? So this is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about discussions about racism and how we can stop it. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Health care providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com.
3: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today I'm here with Dr. Ruth Patterson and Michelle McAdoo, our producer, talking about um racism. Um, why are we continuing to have such a divide why we why do we even use the word race? Um, I mean there are certainly differences. We have ethnicities and gender differences um, but but why do we continue to have um such a great divide? Kids notice difference. they notice that people are are different colors and different heights and and different weights. Um, they notice um texture of hair and the shape of eyes and noses and um you know our society over the many many years has um long pointed out um, what maybe is supposed to be the most attractive. Is that right? What are we doing to our children? Um, Remember the area, the period um, when really, really skinny was in? Um, Think about the damage we did to so many women and some men, young women and men, in trying to appear to be what maybe they uh, could not be, no matter what they did. So, what I want to throw out to our listeners is what do you teach your children about appearance, about color, about acceptance, about differences? Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring that's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at MPB online dot org. Uh, Before I pull um, Dr. Patterson in, let's go to Georgia from Jackson. I want to make sure we get all our callers in today. Hi, Georgia. Thanks for calling.
2: Hi, how are you?
1: Great, Um, thanks.
2: Yes, uh, I would like to say North American whites have never been colonized, and it's normal to fear the unknown. Uh, But with racism, you have as African Americans, we get it confused that maybe we can be racist, but if you don't control anything or anybody, how can you be racist? But the fear—it's what I. What is the motivating factor uh, when it comes to racism? Why would you teach a child to hate someone else? And what, what do you? What do you fear? What are you fearing for that child?
1: Hmm. Dr. Patterson, do you have a comment to Georgia's statement?
4: I do. I think just to step back for a moment and recognize that genetically, 99%, we're the same. I mean, it's just a a little bit of genetic differences that account for our difference in hair texture and skin color and color of our eyes and things like that. So the bottom line is basically genetically we're the same. But... We have looked at those minor differences and made them big differences to move our personal agendas forward, either economically or politically or whatever. But the bottom line is, you're absolutely right. We need to start with how we address these differences with our children, because we can't hide our children from, from the world and basically... They're smarter than we think, and they're already kind of tuned in to some of the messages that are being sent out. And I think the most important thing is to step back. And I think the conversation differs a little bit when you're in a black family versus a white family. For instance, you know, since I am African-American, then I'm going to start that conversation by trying to make sure that I embrace those differences in our children and tell them how wonderful and special it is to be different and how boring the world would be if we all looked the same acted the same spoke the same but at the same time I have to be very careful that we and we're all in about the same age range that I don't bring the negative experiences that I've had into the conversation And like you, Dr. Buttress, I want to be hopeful. The thing that I see right now that's a difference, because we have been at this table before, but to me it was the black community that was pushing the agenda a little bit more. What I see as a wonderful change, and I'm hoping it is more a movement than just a moment in history, is that we see diverse people across the state, across the country, across the world, who are coming to the table to come, you know, walk with us to say these biases are not right and there is something that we need to do differently. Now, again, in our community, when we have the conversation with our kids, we still have to say, you still have to be a little more, you know, we are not there yet. So our conversation is still embrace what's different, love people, be respectful the same way our community is so fearful that we could be harmed by even those authorities who are there to protect us, our other community are out there fearful that, oh, what kind of rioting is going to come to my door? So our fears mm-hmm. are very different, right. but in some senses, you know, they are real. But we want to, you know, teach our children love, teach them for respect for every person But we still have to have that conversation that you've got to go a little step further. You don't necessarily have to be out there shouting and being angry. You can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And any little thing that you do or say can be misinterpreted and you can have a negative impact from that. Now, I don't.
1: You know, I I think I'm going to just. Interrupt there just for a minute, um, Dr. Patterson, and and say um, that to me. That's where it's really not okay. Our society is way overreactive, um, way too impulsive to act. And it it is, to me, this is where the the wrong is so wrong, is that we do have to... You just said something that is all so bad that you have to teach your children never to be impulsive. There is not a 15 or 16 or 17-year-old out there who is not a little bit impulsive. And so that is where... It is sad and wrong and has got to change. And back to B statement from the from the our first caller um, is that this is a B. I think where I think everybody's getting it finally, or the majority. Maybe we'll never get everybody on board, but the majority of individuals are saying this is all wrong. This can't be so. You can't have to teach kids never to be impulsive and never to pull their hoodie up after dark because they happen to be chilly or um, never to carry a toy gun because it happens. So I I just I, I, I think as we move along, this is where I think our break has got to happen. Um, if we look at it from a child standpoint, maybe maybe we'll all understand a little bit better. Um, we have several callers um, on the phone. Georgia, thanks for your call. We have. Uh, let's move on to James from Louise. Hi, James. Thanks for calling.
5: Hello. Yes.
1: Yes. You're on.
5: Um. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed the last caller statements no she she was dead on there. she was, but um I'm an old man, okay? I was raised to be a racist. I'm no racist. I learned the hard way not to be one because it's wrong, okay, and life is a process you you grow as you live. Hopefully. Some people do, some people don't. But my point is this. Everybody says look toward the future. Look toward the future. Don't worry about the past. But I still like to read the words of Marcus Aurelius, the letters of Marcus Aurelius. I still like to read the words of Plato. The human nature, in other words, what I'm trying to say is human nature never changes but what the last caller pointed out now how you teach your children that changes the world right there that's
1: right i think you're absolutely right james and i and i'm interested that you said you were you were taught to be a racist and you changed um i I'd like to hear, if you will, we've got a couple of other callers on the line, so I don't want it to be too long. But tell us a little bit about what you mean by taught to be a racist.
5: Hey, I was in Mississippi back in the 50s, okay? I was a kid. And mm-hmm. it was just normal. You accepted it. You know, all children accept what their parents tell them, you know.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. So the majority. Parents out there, yeah. The
5: parents out there need to really, really be careful not about what they say as much as what they do uh, because the children are watching and listening and learning. And and, that's right. Uh, so what made well, you, you change? You're a parent. I know that. You you understand
1: what I'm saying, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. But talk to us about what made you change. What what was the marker for your change, or was it a gradual thing?
5: Oh, it was back when I was 12 years old, I think. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, A fellow was trying to get into uh, college up there, Oxford, and he just happened to have black skin. And, Mm. well, there were several white men in my grandfather's place there talking about it, and they all had opinions. And he just told them flat out what he thought. He said if he wants to go to school there, he should be able to go to school there. He didn't say anything else. He turned around and walked off. Well, I, I was just a kid, but I remembered that. Mm-hmm. It got me to thinking.
1: Dr. Patterson, any any comments about James's experience? Um, yes, and I, I think he has
4: touched on something that's very important. You know, the kids, we don't need to teach them. We need to teach them to be thoughtful. I think in a lot of cases, either... Something comes up and we see the negative impact of racism, but we need to be able to bring up that subject in a common situation. You know, if you're going to um, engage people who are different from you, what do you think about it? How do you address it? And not just teach them our ways, because a lot of people think, well, hopefully my child will never have to deal with it, so I don't need to say anything about it. So let's not wait until it's something negative that we dwell on, but bring up the conversation. How do you deal with people who are different than you and embrace that those differences are good and, and valuable. And, um and before it becomes something that's a battle. So I, I appreciate right. the fact that, you know, he heard it. And that's the way most of us grew up hearing these things in our families. But so let's, proactively pursue the conversation and, and, you know, and talk to our children about it so that they'll have a response. They will have thought about it before they're in the middle of the situation and have to respond to it negatively.
1: Good. James, thank you so much for that call. It's, it's good to hear from somebody from our era who, who, who was there and who was able to make a change. And, and I know many of us have. All right. We need to go to our next break. And when we come back, we have Sue and we have Louise on the phone and um, we have some open lines. So I want you, you all, our listeners, to join in. Tell us what you think we need to do differently. Um, how can we make that change stick? How can we make sure that this is our turning point and that we are teaching our kids the right way to be. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Send an email to family at org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back.
3: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and here with Dr. Ruth Patterson, we're talking about how do we teach children about human differences, about ethnicity and gender differences, and and. Teach them to be accepting and understand that differences are good Um, and that everybody, if they were the same, like Dr. Patterson said earlier, it would be a very boring world. I just want to reiterate something James said before the break. One of our callers, he noted that he learned by a model. He didn't have anybody lecture back to him. It was what other people did and said that helped him make a change. And so that's where that's what we need to remember is whatever you say means something, but not so much as your actions you know, the old adage, actions speak louder than words. Um, let's Dr. go, Hutchins. let's stay on the phones. We have um, Lois from Quitman. Thanks for calling. Well, hey. here's the way I figure it
4: I grew up very poor and I grew up without a mama. My mama died, my little sister wasn't but three. And I remember a time when we all got to go to town, we had to walk and get a pair of flip flops. And before we got back, my brother lost his, and his feet were so tough, he didn't even know he lost one of them. But anyway, (laughs) the African-American people, I have never, ever been a racist person. I never used to even think about race, to be honest with you. And even my last son, I had five boys, and my last son, his best friend, was African-American. My son ate at their house. Uh, that little boy eat at my house he was just part of us i don't understand all this
1: nonsense nor do i thank you <laughs> thank you and i i'm Ruth Dr Patterson you are you know you you are a pediatrician you have long been in the Jackson metropolitan community i know that you you let everybody know that you are african american you have many caucasian or white or whatever the the mixed The mixed ethnic group that is called white is because it's very mixed. I don't know why we have the divide of African-American and then Hispanic and then the, quote, white or Caucasian group. That that to me alone has been a ridiculous divide. But I'll be quiet on that now and let you um, if you want to comment back um, to what Lois was saying.
4: I would like to, and I appreciate our comments a lot, because that's the way we'd like to look at the world that, you know, we all are equal and have our struggles, but different selves. Um In spite of the fact that so many of us in Mississippi have um, grown up poor or disadvantaged, what we still have to recognize. Now, we didn't say that, um, you know, the fact that white are privileged to some degree did not mean that they would not have challenges in their lives. You know, and even, you know, uh, for some of us who may not have the perfect master of the English language, for those of us who may not dress exactly the same as some mainstream America, yes, there are challenges and they may be treated differently. But the bottom line is, inherently, in America based on racism that I think initially was based on slavery to kind of keep blacks in a subservient role. We know that irregardless of your walk walk in life, by being white, there has inherently been some privileges extended to you. Now, that said, my family grew up poor, but, you know, we were one of those families that were managed to be offered some additional opportunities in life, and I treasure my friendship across the community, and I know that me personally and, you know, family members have benefited from those relationships, so, you know, I don't undermine that at all, but inherently deep down, Even if she does not see the differences in her family and other families, the bigger America has inherently extended some additional privileges just based on race.
1: Thank you so much for that, um, Ruth, and thank you for your call, Um, Lois. We have um, Gwen from Texas, and um, Gwen, I hope you're still there. Um, You've been very patiently waiting.
2: Yes, I am. Um, Great. I just had a uh, comment. Um, I was born in the 60s as well. Um, and I just, I, I think it's, it's, it's horrible what's happened. I uh, am grateful for the protest. And I think that it, it's a good thing in reference to the, um, nothing has changed. A lot has changed. I disagree with that because a lot has changed, Um, and if we see nothing has changed, then a lot of our civil rights leaders died for nothing. So I do think that they gave their lives for the changes that that we are able to have today. So I kind of disagree with with that there was no change. I have uh several several grandchildren. I have about fourteen fourteen grandchildren. <laughs> Congratulations. And, uh, they are all um um multi race. Um my I have a white grandfather myself, I have a native grandmother, um and I have a, a black grandmother. So um to me it's uh how much cream is in the coffee. Because it, 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 <laughs> I it, like that. It doesn't really um, matter because it's all the same. And when I look at my children, uh, my grandchildren, I can't see their. How could there be this this uh, this hate or difference? Because some of my grandchildren are like my black grandmother, my grandchildren, that they, they, they have that skin tone. But some are like my gra- my my white grandfather. But I love the whole yeah. thing, so I, I don't understand why uh we have this 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 difference and i just I just pray that that even this movement uh will be a movement and and it will make more change come about that's that's all I wanted to say
1: oh thank you that was very. Very well said and and i I appreciate it it. It is confounding um, as to to why people think different sh- different shades of a color um, make such differences i I really appreciate that um, We're going to stay on the phones like I said, I promised we would get everybody in. Richard from Laurel. Hey Richard, thanks for waiting. You're up next how you doing? Doing great, thanks.
6: Well, uh, first of all, I want to just say uh, I enjoy listening to, to the program. I, I listen to it practically every day, and, lo- and I you. try to encourage a lot of people that that I come in contact with to listen to it because it's very informative. Uh, I guess the reason I was calling, I, I was I was under the impression that we were talking about um, um, how what do we teach our children? Exactly. Yes,, and, you know, I
1: know we keep diverging, but you're right yes
6: <laughs> yeah that's, that, and and that's what made me uh want to call and 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 someone, it's one of the previous callers mentioned about not so much as what we teach them as what what we show them and i'm and i and i am one of those people that grew up in this in this in the sixties, and I've seen a lot of changes but and I think one of the problems in our state and throughout the country is that we as as people I think we think we're better than what we really are, and what I mean by that, you know, I think we need to just take a closer look at our neighborhoods and see what do they look like. Take a take a neighborhood. Take a look at our schools, and our, and to see if everybody looks the same. Look at look at our schools and our churches, and uh, if we look around and we see that we're not um, we are not as liberal and we are not as um, as, as together as, as, as we should, then I think we need to take a closer look at that and and try to try to change ourselves and change the community wh- where we are. And one of the ways we we do that is we, we, we get involved in some community organization that, that, that's about change. And I want to just say this about the public schools. If we look at our schools, I, I, I know I see most of the, the city schools, and I, what I see is, is, is almost the same thing as what I saw in the 60s. And, I, and I'm saying that, whether you for a public school or whatever schools, as long as we head in that direction, it's going to be very difficult to change because our, our ways and our actions that we live and that we show every day doesn't reflect that we that we are progressing. And it seems like we're moving backwards in a lot of ways. And I just and, I, and my call is not to be negative, but to challenge each of us to try to do more than we have done because what we have done since the '60s to now is not enough.
1: Hmm. Well said Richard thank you so much i think we're going to skip our break and we're going to stay on the phones because i think richard brought up some awesome points we need um there are there are many 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 of us who have talked a good game over the many years but how much action has been um with our words so i, I appreciate I appreciate you sending those words out and those thoughts out, Richard. Um, well said. Okay, um, Eddie from Gulfport, talk to us about what your thoughts are today. My Hi.
7: Name is Letty.
1: Letty. Oh, Letty. Okay, thank you, <laughs> Letty. <laughs>
7: yes. A bigger problem than racism is human nature. And with human nature, we're, there's neither, uh, There are things that we've got to work at constantly. There's no one day that everything is going to get right. I think I heard someone say already that it's a process. Okay, adults cannot teach what they don't know, and this has been dem- demonstrated from your talk. This is a problem that we as men cannot solve. We all, I think process some kind of religion okay re- those of us who call ourselves religion re- no matter what denomination we are going to have to look for the example of jesus and compare ourselves to what jesus would do as to what we are doing and again racism this problem we need we face every day if we are going to grow spiritually not only with racism, but with us, God would direct us as to what's our total human nature and how it needs to change. And when it comes to children, we won't get it from the public schools, but we have Sunday schools, we have Bible schools, we have Christian families who can, again, you can be selected not by race, but be selected by the kind of a, child, a person, a family that we as black people kind of like we all put into one big basket, but we, within our group, have to make selection as to how we're going to grow up our children so that we would have a child. Uh, and, and again, children have to come together. So group, they were children can teach you something. If our children were well, given the right opportunities, they would teach the parents
1: yeah I think you're making some really good points letty and and um and you're right. it is a process, Dr. Patterson, I believe you said that. Do you have some comments for Letty?
4: Um, yes, uh, and I appreciate our comments again, and that's the reason we keep going back to um engaging our children and having that conversation, and you know, we don't dictate how they think but we give them the room and the opportunity to express uh, what their concerns are and we lead and guide them in the conversation. But, you know, as another caller has said, it can't just be that conversation. Pick up that book and the book that you're reading, if it's all about a completely white family, kind of say, oh, is there anything missing? Does this look like the rest of the world? Meaning, You bring race into your conversation. You bring race into your world. You, you know, invite a more culturally diverse group to whatever that affair is and make sure that that diverse group all uh, feels a part of it. But you're right. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But I'm one of those hopeful individuals that believe
1: perhaps this is the beginning of a new conversation that we can move forward. Right. Thank you so much. Okay, let's quickly go to Charles because at the very end, I just want to throw out a few suggestions on how to deal with kids. So Charles from Jackson, thanks for calling. Tell us your thoughts. Oh,
8: how how are you all this morning?
1: Great, thanks.
8: <clears throat> now, I guess I, I want to come at it from a little bit different angle. When I look back in history, all wars and that we have fought has been over money, finance, over power. I believe that one, and I believe that there's a, a, uh, a group of people that want to maintain the status quo, which means you want to keep money in the hands of, or control in the hands of people, of, of a certain group of people. And the way is, one way to keep the masses from understanding that is to divide them. Find a way to divide them. So you know that we've heard that saying, "Divide and conquer." When we start talking about race, that's a way to uh, divide people. Throughout history, race was used to, to identify where a person was born, not to identify what if they were a different race or you know different type of people. It was used to identify where a person was born. I believe that the concept of racism has been used on all of us to divide us so that we would not join together as, a, as one to understand how we are all being treated. If you look at economics in this country, as racism is not very strong, but look at the economic lines. Money is accumulating in the hands of a few and few people, and the masses are becoming poor. So I would just, just throw out that all of us to look at that and think about all laws that are passed or not passed at the legislature, the federal, state, and local level, determines how, who, and how we share in the allocation of wealth. Thank you.
1: Very good. Okay, Charles, thank you so much, and I want to thank all of our callers for calling in today. I thought um, lots of good thoughts about this. Let's talk just for the last 60 seconds or so about ways to approach your child. First of all, kids, even very, very young ones, are extremely perceptive, and they Look at your actions. They look at the way you behave. They look at the way you approach things. So keep in mind that you are a model. Keep in mind that you are who they will become later on. So the way you treat other people, the way you talk to other people, the way you approach other people, the way you befriend people, are the way your children will be. Scary but true. If a child, even a young child, points out differences, note them, validate the the difference that they are, talk about what they see differently, and talk about the similarities. That's one way that you can help them better understand and be more accepting. Don't ever talk about what is the perfect, most beautiful child or person because in different people's eyes what's beautiful is very different so keep that in mind if you have a model of what you think your child will be to be the perfect looking one it's wrong and you're teaching wrong information i know we don't have enough time to go over all but those are just a few of those things talk about it talk about it logically and And try to help your children work through things. I want to thank everybody, all our callers. Today's show, as you know, was engineered and produced by um, Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.